Aloha and welcome to HMA Connect, the podcast program of the Hawaii Medical Association. Established in 1856, HMA is dedicated to serving physicians, their patients, and the community. I am Mark Alexander, Executive Director of HMA, and it is my pleasure to be your host for today's podcast. Today's podcast is with Dr. Kelly Withy. Dr. Kelly Withy is Professor of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Hawaii John A. Burns School of Medicine and the Director of the Hawaii Pacific Basin Area Health Education Center, AHEC. Her research focuses on health workforce assessment, health careers development, rural health, telehealth, and substance use prevention. Dr. Withy is the primary physician workforce researcher in Hawaii and has developed the only statewide database of supply and demand for physician services as well as a statewide telehealth network. Thank you, Dr. Withy, for taking time out of your very demanding schedule to have a conversation with us around your recent conference, the 2022 Hawaii Health Workforce Summit. Before we dive right into that topic, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners. Great. Well, I grew up in California, went to school on the East Coast, came back to California for medical school in San Diego, residency in Long Beach, where I met my husband, who uh, grew up in Michigan and went to school in Kansas City and loves the Chiefs and always wanted to live in Hawaii. My family had moved to Hawaii while I was in residency, so we said, why not? That was, I hate to say, but it was 1994, and we've been here ever since. We moved here. One reason was because there were lots of jobs. Well, part of my mission in life is to help supply the physician workforce, and unfortunately, there are still a lot of jobs. Well, I know one of the things I've learned about you is you have a tremendous amount of energy, optimism, and thoughtfulness in your work. So I don't doubt that you have and will continue to make progress on multiple fronts. So as we dive in, you just had a very successful 2022 Hawaii Health Workforce Summit. And many of our listeners probably are not familiar with this unless they're involved in healthcare. So maybe you could give us a little bit of the history of that particular summit. Well, we started in 2010. Uh, David Sakamoto and I, Dr. David Sakamoto, who was then working for SHPDA, State Health Planning and Development Agency, and he and I both had the same idea in about 2007 that we should be able to quantify the physician workforce shortage. It was worst on the Big Island, so we went and met with Mayor Harry Kim, and he gave us some money to do an analysis of the shortage on the Big Island. And from that, we were able to get the legislature and the DCCA Board of Medical Examiners to support looking at the physician workforce shortage statewide. And so in 2010, we had that data for the state and we brought together a group of stakeholders and we discussed what are the things that we should do. We prioritized and we have a list of 10. Uh, the top 10 things that those 70 people voted on was administrative simplification, change the system of care, community integration of recruitment and retention, improve electronic health records, expand pipeline programs, increase net physician income, increase targeted training, increase usage of non-physician clinician teams, 
Institute Rural Pay Differential, and Tort Reform. We started with a list of 60 that people prioritized mm -hmm. from. So after your initial analysis and polling of physicians about the top issues that they felt should be addressed, you eventually pulled together a group to start a summit to address these issues in a more systematic way. We decided to offer an annual meeting. And so we've done this since 2012. Even during COVID, we had it virtually. And this year uh, was our biggest uh, conference yet. 994 people registered and 901 showed up. And about two thirds were in person at the Hilton and one third were online. Now a little bit more about the history. This is all done under the aegis of AHAC? Yes. The Area Health Education Center is a federally funded program through Health Resources and Services Administration to improve the diversity and the distribution of the health professions workforce. So we do three main things through the AHEC grant. We recruit students to health careers, all health careers all across the Pacific. We help train them in areas of need while they're in schools and we hope to do it in an interprofessional manner. And when they graduate, we try and recruit them back to the areas of need to stay in practice. And we realized we didn't know how many providers were needed in these areas of need. So that's when David Sakamoto and I started working on the physician numbers. Mayor Kim helped us out. Uh, the legislature helped us out. DCCA, Board of Medical Examiners helped us out um, to add a survey on when people relicense. And so we're able to quantify, and we know right now we need about over 700 more physicians to have as many as a community of our composition on the continent has right now. All of this kind of set the table then for your further research and the conference, which then shared the results of your analysis and study and was kind of a give back, not only to the physicians, but other healthcare professionals and the community. How has that conference evolved over time? Well, it was initially the Hawaii Physician Workforce Summit. And then the other professions said, hey, what about us? We want to come. And I said, you're right. We need to be an interprofessional health workforce in Hawaii. And so we changed it to the Hawaii Health Workforce Summit. And so your initial work in 2010, which yielded these top priorities, what was the follow-up to that? We wrote a long report. We introduced a bill changing the medical claims and conciliation panel to the medical inquiry and conciliation panel. That was number 10, the tort reform. We stepped up the pipeline programs, so we now have a lot of pipeline resources for students who want to go into health professions. We stepped up our rural training opportunities, and the dean of the medical school has been wonderful in that area. And now all medical students do some neighbor island training. We're interprofessional. Uh, we are one of the founding members of the Hawaii Interprofessional Education Group, which is a group of Manoa programs. And now it's also got pharmacy that does a lot of training together. Of my 10 initial, administrative simplification did not get a lot of success and turns out it was the same thing that is number one on our list today. Community integration of recruitment and retention, we are helping partner with Hawaii State Rural Health Association and other organizations to do that. 
We had no success with electronic health records, although there's been a lot of effort in Hawaii to share them. We would like to help with that. I think simplifying mm -hmm. EHRs and sharing them would be just ideal. Expanding pipeline programs, as I mentioned. Increasing net physician income is number two, three, and four on our current list. Um, so we haven't had much success there, although we have increased state loan repayment program. Increased targeted training. Increased usage of non-physician clinician, that would be part of the interprofessional nature. And then institute rural pay differential has not been successful. And then tort reform, we have a, a kinder, gentler system now with the medical inquiry panel instead of the medical claims panel. Listening to this, it sounds like you've made a lot of progress, though, on that initial list. I would say we've made progress on half of it. And since that time, how has the list changed? If we fast forward for a moment to 2022, and I know you're just doing the initial analysis on this, is there anything that you've learned that you would be able to share at this time? Yes, so we did a survey this year at the summit and about 300 people answered and we said, what are the most urgent things to do for the workforce? And we had a wonderful panel and I understand you're gonna be talking to Dr. Tensali, so I will leave that to you because um, she did an outstanding job with the speaker mix. So we asked everybody to rank their top five and the number one thing that came up was minimize administrative burden. You notice that was number one in 2010. Number two, three, four are increase local insurance reimbursement, increase Medicare rates, and eliminate general excise tax, all income specific. Number five was improve electronic health records to expedite documentation. That was on the list before. The next ones are somewhat new, but some are still there. Uh, expand telehealth, interprofessional models of care, which was mentioned previously, Reimbursement for care outside of visits and services, so that goes to the income. And incentivize group visits, self-care, healthy patient behavior, that goes to the income but also the patient taking some responsibility. Mm -hmm. And then rapid licensing and credentialing, licensure reciprocity was number 10. So I'm, I'm curious, as you look at your summit, the attendance has been increasing. What is the attraction to the summit? I know you're very modest in articulating the actual impacts that you've had, but people must feel something that draws them to the summit in increasing numbers. I think it's the food. I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, even in the years of COVID, we had, I think, 500 one year, 300 another year. We have different tracks. So if you want to get updated on geriatric skills and resources, we have a geriatrics track. We have a substance use treatment track um, supported by the, so the geriatrics track is supported by the Department of Geriatrics. The substance use track is supported by the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Division at Department of Health. We have a rural health track supported by State Office of Rural Health and the, National, the Hawaii State Rural Health Association. So we have different tracks that attract people. One year we had a dental track before COVID. So we have a variety of information, but uh, the one track we always have is the provider wellness track. And this year, 
one big topic that I believe is something we really need to pay attention to was helping new providers get homes. Because mm. my theory is if you buy a home here, you're going to stay here. If you can't buy a home here, maybe you won't stay. Mm -hmm. So why do they keep coming? Well, your numbers keep growing. So, mm -hmm. so it sounds like your summit has changed in its purposes and its goals over the past 10 years in some ways. It is added to. Right. So it is a continuing education conference for different groups of individual providers, but it is a place to get together, see old friends, meet new people, find out what's going on in geriatric substance use, rural health, but mm -hmm. also provider wellness. You know, we've had very important provider wellness speakers come and speak to us. So say a little bit more about what you think administrative burden means. I believe that prior authorization forms, quality metrics, billing, and making sure your panel is accurate are all things that could be streamlined to save doctors time they can spend with their patients. And I have a dream that Hawaii could be the best place to practice medicine if we streamlined this. Not the most highest paid place to practice medicine, but the best. As you take a moment to look back on 10 years of summits and the work that has been done, what do you think are the greatest moments of celebration? I believe the collaboration of everybody on the health careers pathway has been really resounding. We have a lot of resources for students going into health careers, and we've had one track one year for Department of Education to come. We heard them, what they need. We're working closely with them, as well as Healthcare Association of Hawaii, Chamber of Commerce, P20, the community colleges, UH system. Um, everybody wants to help students get into health professions, and we're all working together now so we can offer that because we need more of all health professions. We need to work together to get there, and I'm most excited about that. In my life, I'm very proud of the loan repayment program because we didn't have any money to do that. I asked HMSA, and Hilton Rathel at the time said, sure, and the money they provided was matched by the federal government, and it's grown since then in Excellent. the last 10 years, 76 folks. And we have enough money to fund everybody who meets federal criteria this year. Everybody should be applying. If they don't have a National Health Service Corps commitment, they should apply to our program if they have any loan debt. And what kind of health care professions are covered by this debt The federal repayment? program. So the federal are all primary care, including OB, all dental, and all mental health. So we're talking licensed clinical social workers, um, CSACs, psychologists, midwives, um, everybody. And Including physicians? Oh, yes. Right, of course. Of course. Physicians, I, PAs, yeah. nurse practitioners exactly. that work in a health profession shortage area for a nonprofit. Anybody that meets those criteria can get money, up to 50000 in loan repayment a year for two years. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit. One of the presentations during the summit was the Access to Care survey results. The statewide survey of patients reported many significant data points, including, for example, 
that nearly 6 in 10 patients say they experienced healthcare delays in the past year. One in five reported that the wait time was significant. Providers themselves, one out of two almost, believe that the wait time to see any type of specialist on the island or off is more than a month and can be longer than two months. So clearly, the shortage of physicians is directly impacting patient access to care. It was heartbreaking. There are people in Hawaii who are not getting service because they can't reach out or don't trust the providers that are available. They are not getting screening for cancer and they are dying sooner. They don't feel they have a healthcare infrastructure here. It was just heartbreaking to hear, especially the rural areas and the results they found. So they are experiencing a tremendous shortage in physicians and other healthcare professionals that are delaying their access to care in a timely way so that they can maintain their health. Right. And people are dying unnecessarily. And it really is heartbreaking. It's a, a striking report that is painful to hear. And this report, my understanding is from talking with and listening to physicians and other healthcare professionals, is the report wasn't anything that people didn't already know, that physicians and many healthcare providers had already reported and shared from their own experience. Yes, the shortage we know is there. One benefit of having the summit is we bring attention to it every year and we submit our reports. And more and more people have read the workforce report every year. So I feel good that we're getting the knowledge out there, but is there a level of numbness now that, oh yeah, we got a shortage. But this brings the patient perspective to view because yes, we have a shortage of doctors, but what does it really mean? It means I can't get care. I have told people in the past, if you're gonna break your hip, don't do it on Big Island. I will say that again, if you're gonna have an accident, have it somewhere there are lots of surgeons available to you and ORs and anesthesiologists because there are communities without healthcare services in Hawaii. And we lose people. They move away from Hawaii. I have workers who have moved away from Hawaii because they could not get the healthcare they needed. Two, just in the last two years. So in many ways, your summit and your surveying the healthcare professionals about what issues need to be addressed is also a way to address the shortage that patients are experiencing. So I've put it out there in numbers. We have a shortage. The Access to Care Report puts it in stories. They tell you what it's like without providers. You have to have both. You have to have a hard, cold facts, and you have to have the emotional results of what's going on to make a difference. Earlier in our conversation, you said that you had a dream that Hawaii could be the best place to practice medicine. So my question to you is, what are the two or three things that need to happen on the part of the community in order to make that dream reality? If I had three things the community could do, Okay, so number one would be if we could somehow organize and let the healthcare industry know we need to simplify the clicks. We need to make it easier to document healthcare visits. We need to make it easier to get services for patients. We need to decrease the administrivia. Every click that a doctor has to do takes them away from the patient. 
Me, I want my doctor looking at me and talking to me. I don't want them on their computer unless they're looking up my labs and showing me. I would prefer that it was easy for them to see patients. There was a time where in Hawaii you had to have a prior authorization form to get a patient an x-ray. It's not the case right now, but many things that probably don't need them require prior authorization. And there's many doctors who do not over-prescribe things that probably could do without having the prior authorizations applied to them. So there's a way to ease things for providers who don't abuse the things that are available to patients. This will save patients time and frustration and providers time and frustration and many providers' offices have to hire a whole person to do these administrative things. So that's a whole salary and while that's good for employment and the community, they can't actually find them right now. Many of those positions are gone empty. So that's one of your action items. Your second action item would be? I would ask the system to compensate physicians and healthcare providers more fairly for everything they do. Lawyers get to bill in 15-minute segments on the phone. Nothing extra you do as a doctor you get to bill for. In fact, if you see patients as an urgent care visit or if you remove a skin cancer, you don't actually get paid for those things in the new payment system and it's discouraging physicians from doing their full scope of practice. So I would say find a better way to compensate. Rural practices, for example, you don't have as many patients near you, so you already have a lower income when we're paying by patient than somebody in an urban area. But like I said, if those rural physicians leave, those areas are left with no care. And it's becoming increasingly burdensome and financially unfeasible for healthcare providers, including physicians, to make the numbers pan out so that they can provide the services to their community members. Yes, there was a PA at the summit who's gone viral, I think, on YouTube. He hasn't taken a salary in a year, he says. He runs a practice, North Shore of Kauai, and they cannot make ends meet, and they may have to close. And they're the only urgent care provider there. So this is real world. This is real world. Right. And then your final ask would be? I always say to people, thank your physician. Thank your health care provider because it's not an easy place to practice. But I think it's the best place to practice. So when we have new health care providers come to town, let's welcome them. Let's integrate them into the community so that they never want to leave. Let's find their spouse's jobs. Let's find good activities for their kids. Let's have parties every month. And let's help them buy a house. And that's a new idea here. Again, it could be the best place to practice because Hawaii could help you buy a house. So um, that's one of my goals coming up, is to make it easier for healthcare providers to purchase homes, whether we have investors assist, the state assist, banks give, uh, they've already offered to give low interest, low down loans. What can we do to help healthcare providers buy homes? All right, Dr. Withy, this has been a great wide-ranging conversation. Do you have any uh, closing remarks you'd like to make? If you would like to mentor an up-and-coming student, if you are a physician who wants to retire, for example, we can connect you up with students and residents who may want to ease into your practice. If you have resources that can help us house students or new doctors, 
especially on neighbor islands. We want to have more students go to neighbor islands. Please let me know. If you want to help in any way, my email is just my last name at hawaii.edu, and I love to hear people's ideas, solutions, offers, and I'm always accessible. Thank you very much, Dr. Withy. Really appreciated your time, your mana'o, and thank you for your leadership. Thank you for listening to HMA Connect. To learn more about the Hawaii Medical Association and future podcasts, please visit hawaiimedicalassociation.org.